You know, saying goodbye to what's behind us is not always easy, but what if clinging to the past was costing you? What if it was time to say goodbye to what we knew so that we can take hold of what we don't know? Like many Minnesotans, I've become intrigued by the story of Josh Dobbs. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, Josh Dobbs has been the recent quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. On Tuesday, October 31st, Dobbs was traded from the Arizona Cardinals to Minnesota. Now, while I do know a thing or two about playing quarterback, because I was the starting quarterback for the Monticello Middle School Mustangs in seventh grade, I can imagine that being a quarterback in the NFL is significantly more difficult. NFL playbooks are often several hundred pages thick, and the system for calling plays is extremely complicated. So while the plan was for him to be the backup and provide some relief if needed, he was thrust into action just five days later that Sunday against the Falcons, playing the most complex position on the field of a multi-billion dollar sport so that fans like us can incorrectly conclude that, I mean, we could certainly do it better, right? Well, somehow, someway, Dobbs led the Vikings to a miraculous victory against the Falcons. And now listen, for all the times that I've poked at the Vikings, I got to tell you, I'm kind of all in now, kind of because of Dobbs, even despite many of you giving up on him because the game he just recently had. But I love this guy. He's been in the NFL since 2017. He's played on seven different teams, and during his first game, leading the Vikings to victory, he knew almost none of his teammates' names, let alone many of the plays. Now, it probably helps that Dobbs has a degree in aerospace engineering, really smart guy, but think about not just what he had to try to learn in the moment, but more important, what he had to forget. See, he had to let go of everything he knew from his last team in order to focus on where he was in the moment, where he was in the present, and where he was headed. Thankfully, while we don't have to play quarterback in the NFL, today we are going to talk about how to let go of what we knew. Because if we don't, we are also going to fail to take hold of what we don't know. Fail to take hold of what's in front of us right here in the moment and fail to move forward into the future that God has for us. There's no better example of people who really struggled with letting go than the Israelites. We actually see their struggle recorded in the Old Testament books of Exodus and Numbers. Now, to summarize, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for approximately 400 years. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 1. The Egyptians appointed brutal slave drivers, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They worked them without mercy. They made their lives bitter, and they were ruthless in all their demands. See, for an Israelite, Egypt was a brutal, horrible place to live. Now, fast forward many years later, when Moses, under God's direction, finally led the Israelites out of slavery and on a journey as free people towards the land that God had promised them. Here's the funny thing. Within just a short time after having been freed from what they knew, the tyranny, the oppression, the slavery of Egypt, the Israelites as soon as wanted to go back. In fact, it was on the other side 
of this miraculous passage through the Red Sea that spared the Israelites and crushed this Egyptian army that was in hot pursuit. It was then that the Israelites began grumbling. Exodus 16 verse 3 says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. See, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now, and they're talking to God, now you have brought, and Moses, now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. See, the Israelites began longing for what they knew instead of embracing where God was taking them And that wouldn't be the last time. See, I wonder how often do we desire in our own lives to go back to what we knew or hold on to the past? I mean, maybe we long for the days that that we we didn't have a full-time job that required 40 to 50 hours of our week. Life just felt simpler when we could go where we want, when we wanted, without having to worry about others. I mean, (laughs) pre-kids, you remember those days? And maybe we think, wouldn't it be nice to go back to what we knew? But when we think that, what happens? Well, at least for me, we we start to complain about our present. As author and speaker Priscilla Shire said, the spirit of complaint is born out of an unwillingness to trust God with today. Like the Israelites, it means you are spending your time looking back toward Egypt, all the while missing what God is doing right now. See, one of the reasons that we need to let go of what we once knew is so that we don't miss what God is doing right now or miss out on what God wants to give us instead. This October, I gathered with 24 of my ex-baseball teammates from Chapman University to celebrate our 20-year anniversary of winning the Division Three National baseball championship. And for those couple of days, we relived those great memories as our team was inducted into the Chapman Hall of Fame. And honestly, as our team watched highlights, told stories, and gathered at some of our old stomping grounds, I think there was a part in all of us that just longed to go back to those days because those were good days. And it would have been really easy in those moments to start complaining about our lives in the present. How none of us could hit a baseball any longer or throw with much speed. Complain about how much pressure had increased in our lives with families, jobs, and and ongoing responsibilities. But then I had this defining moment during that trip where I just realized how much I would have missed out on if I hadn't made some key decisions along the way to move on. It was during that celebration, our team had actually rented out Angel Stadium because one of our ex-teammates works for them. But at one point, at the stadium, I was standing at home plate hitting ground balls to my son Maddox, who's playing shortstop. My wife Emily is playing first base. And my daughter Marley is doing cartwheels at second base. You know, you get it. <laughs> but it was, this, it was this moment in time that I'll never forget where I thought, I knew nothing, nothing 20 years ago compared to what I know now. And I was just so grateful that I hadn't lived the last 20 years of my life looking back, longing for Egypt and past glory. I'm so grateful that I let go of what I knew 
Why? So that I could obey God with my life and keep following Jesus where he had taken me. See, we all know life and therefore time moves forward whether we want it to or not. One of the problems that many people face is that while time moves along, they often don't grow and change with it. For example, there are some who are living like 21-year-olds in 40-year-old bodies. Unfortunately, this is more often true for men than women. As author John Steinbeck wrote, I have known boys 40 years old because there was no need for a man. Refusing to take responsibility and grow up, these men keep returning to the same bars and sporting venues, acting as if they're that same kid they wish they still were. In the meantime, they now have a family who is longing for a responsible, stable, godly man to guide them. But the reason these men often have a hard time becoming that man is that there's something inside of him longing for what he once knew. The problem, if he doesn't let go, this man is going to find a way to sabotage the present just to get a taste of that past feeling or memory. Uh, but it's not just men who struggle. Everyone has something that they need to let go of. Perhaps there's some who moved into a different phase of life. You know, kids have moved out, or maybe kids have moved back in after having moved out. Maybe it's a season of living in a new city, or it's transitioning from college to a professional life, or it's taking on a different job, helping aging parents, or maybe even retirement. But while time moves on chronologically, the question we have to ask is, will we move on and learn with it? Will we allow God to shape change, grow, and stretch us? Or will we complain about our present and long to go back to what we once knew? See, the Israelites were a hard-hearted, stubborn bunch, but so am I. And while I don't know many of you, I'm guessing that some of you are too. That's why it's difficult to let go of what we knew. But if we're ever gonna let go of what we know, so that we can learn and grow, we, we gotta do a few things. And the first is we gotta get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. See, the Israelites longed to go back to what they knew primarily because they were so uncomfortable. Early on their way out of Egypt, they experienced a food shortage and complained. But God, as he often does when he's leading and stretching us, he provided exactly what they needed. In this case, in the form of daily manna, a type of bread. But not long after that, they again started to complain because while the manna wasn't as good as the food they remember eating back in Egypt, they said, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. We had all the cucumbers and melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. And then they said, all we ever see is manna even though they were a free people and had more than enough to eat. Now they wanted some meat, which again, God miraculously provided in the form of quail, despite their complaints. But then when they eventually arrived on the edge of the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan, one from each Israelite tribe to scout the area. Jason talked about this last week. Well, two of these guys, uh, spies came back and said, Man, the land is incredible. 
and they were filled with excitement and hope. But the other 10 came back and said, we're done for. The enemy's too big to conquer. So what did the Israelites say to that? They said, if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? And then they said, wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? See, do you see the pattern? They would move forward following God's lead, and then they experienced some uncomfortable moments, and then, and then they would long to go back. So what happened to them? Because they failed to let go of what they knew, to embrace what they didn't know, God forced that generation to wander the wilderness for an additional 40 years. They just couldn't get over how uncomfortable they were in the present to arrive at a better future. So I wonder today, is God asking you to let go of something so that you can do something else he's asked you to do and you're hesitating because, well, it's uncomfortable. God, it's gonna be uncomfortable to pray out loud with my family before bedtime. God, it's gonna be uncomfortable to join that small group and find new Christian community. Maybe you feel the tug to to volunteer in kids and student ministries, and, and you're just worried that you don't have what it takes. Maybe you're supposed to invite that friend or that neighbor to Christmas services, but, but how uncomfortable if they say no. Don't let the potential of discomfort keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was given the opportunity to ride a horse. Now listen, I've seen some Yellowstone, but I'm not exactly a horse riding type, okay? But since it was an opportunity I'd probably almost never have again, I decided to do it. So here I am in the mountains of Colorado riding my horse named Blanco. Don't I look like a cowboy there? Well, while I did experience scenery and beauty unlike anything I'd ever seen before, the number one feeling I felt during that entire time was, you guessed it, uncomfortable, okay? My legs, my butt, my back, everything uncomfortable. When I first got on that horse, my legs started cramping. And when I tried to tell the cowboy that my leg was cramping, he looked at me like, I can't help you, buddy. I mean, just, well, you're, you're on your own. <laughs> At one point, we went faster than a walk, like we trotted, maybe galloped. I'm not sure how fast felt, you know, and that was like 10x the uncomfortable. I mean, it's just unbelievably uncomfortable. Then for the last 45 minutes, I'm sorry for too much information, but the last 45 minutes, I had to go to the bathroom really badly, okay? But see, here's the problem. I, I didn't get off the horse because I would have had to get back on the horse, and so I just sat there miserably, as Blanco moved along super stubbornly and slowly, and I would say, good Blanco, good horsey. Yes, you're a good boy. Please get me to the bathroom, Blanco. But guess what I feel now? Proud. You might as well put me back 120 years in the wild, wild west. I'm a cowboy, baby. In the moment... In the moment, uncomfortable, but next time you hear this story, I'm going to be in the rodeo wrangling calves on that horse, all right? So, but here's the point. Here's the point. Often to get to where we need to go, 
to learn what we need to learn. We need to be stretched and challenged in ways that will make us feel uncomfortable. See, the Israelites were primarily uncomfortable. Even though returning to slavery in Egypt was by far the worst decision, because of how uncomfortable they felt, they often wanted to return. And my fear is that the same will be true for me and the same will be true for you. See, we may long to go back just because what we're experiencing now is just too uncomfortable. But can I remind you today, if you give up now, if I give up now, if you give up now, you won't get to where God wants you to go. Of course, it's gonna be uncomfortable to cut ties with people who lead you into bad decisions. It's gonna be uncomfortable to establish boundaries with unhealthy family members. It's gonna be uncomfortable to spend less to get out of debt, to change jobs or, or move into that new home or to that new city when God is asking you to. It's gonna be uncomfortable to create new healthy habits. For some, family dynamics have changed since 2022 for a variety of reasons. Maybe relationships have, have died or evolved or maybe someone has, has passed away. And so this year, it's uncomfortable to establish new Christmas traditions. That's uncomfortable. And I know for some of you, it's, it's uncomfortable to be here in church. Maybe you've been away a long time or maybe you've never come before. I'm just always blown away at the courage it takes to show up in church for the very first time. But can I tell those of you who are in this uncomfortable season, don't give up. Don't give up. If God is in it, on the other side of uncomfortable is something better and greater that God wants to give you. I'm telling you, when God wants you to let go of what you knew, get comfortable feeling uncomfortable, that feeling is inevitable. Second thing we're going to have to do, we're going to have to unlearn what we've learned. See, the Israelites knew Egypt. It, it was predictable. They, they knew when to work, where to sleep, and what to eat. And so when they were finally free, generations of people had to unlearn previous habits and rhythms so that they could learn a new way of living. Uh, I turned 40 about a month ago. And truth is, I'd been counting down every single day since I had turned 39. 40 was a really big deal to me. Growing up, I remember being at 40th birthday parties with those big over-the-hill signs and thinking, those people are ancient. I mean, there's only a few years left. And now I am that person. I'm that old person. So for much of that year leading up to 40, I prepared for it. I did want to be better and stronger spiritually, physically, emotionally, and so I was ready. But the weekend before I turned 40, I was speaking on anxiety, which in many ways had become a first half of life personal battle and message. And so as I was preparing to speak that day, I, I asked the Lord just to give me a word. And so I, I picked up my Bible and playing a bit of roulette with my Bible, which I rarely do, where I just kind of flip it open and like, God, I need something from you. I turned right to Psalm 40. 
And I just knew as I read these words that God was speaking right to me. Here's what it says. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And I wrote the date right next to it when I read these words. Now, because I'm not that smart, it didn't strike me. This was Psalm 40 for my 40th birthday until my wife, Emily, who's much smarter, pointed out the significance. <laughs> but God was so clearly saying to me, I picked you, John up from the pit of despair. I put your feet on solid ground, and now I've given you, John, a new song to sing. And as you sing it, people will not be amazed at you. No, they'll be amazed at what I, the Lord, have done. And it was this incredible, God-inspired moment where I thought I had known what it was like to live in the mud and the mire. I had known what it was like to be stuck, but now I had completed this unlearning process I had to unlearn the habits and the thoughts, the song that had kept me stuck for so long. Why? So that I could learn a new song to sing. And I gotta ask you, what do you need to unlearn so that you can sing a new song in your life? Some people are stuck in old ways of thinking. Well, what if this was the time you decided to unlearn those old habitual thoughts and habits and replace them with better thoughts? Some people are stuck in old habits of maybe around things like the way we eat. For last year, I had to unlearn certain beliefs about food and nutrition in order to learn a healthier way. Some people are stuck in old beliefs about God. Maybe you see God as distant, angry, or always out to get you. Well, what if you need to unlearn that so you can know that the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love? The Israelites had to unlearn what they knew so they could learn what God was trying to teach them. What is it that you need to unlearn? What is it that you need to let go of so that God can fill you with something better? As pastor and author Mark Batterson said, half of spiritual growth is learning what we don't know. The other half is unlearning what we do know. Last, if we're gonna let go of what we knew, we're gonna have to allow uncertainty to increase faith. I mean, think about how uncertain Moses must have felt with the eyes of thousands looking upon him for direction. Think about how uncertain the Israelites must have felt while journeying through the wilderness. When we burn the ships of the past and move ahead towards the future, the only thing we know for certain is just how uncertain it all feels. I mean, who among us knows the future? But that's the thing with faith. Maybe God wants us to burn the ships of certainty so that we can increase in faith. Again, I love what Mark Batterson said. He said, too often our prayers revolve around asking God to reduce odds in our lives. But maybe God wants to stack the odds against us so that we can experience a miracle. Maybe faith is trusting God, 
no matter how impossible the odds are. And I don't know if God cares much about the NFL, but he cares about people and people knowing Jesus. See, there's this quote by Josh Dobbs that's floating around a lot these days because of his recent success. When asked about his greatest moment, what did he say? Well, he didn't respond with a game or some sort of statistical performance that he had or some miraculous victory. No, what he said was this. The greatest success in his life was the day I got baptized, he said, and went public with the decision of shedding my old life and starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. He continued, the day will come that I won't be a part of any football team, but the decision I made during my sophomore year in high school to be a part of Team Jesus. Dobbs said, I'll be a part of that team for all eternity. I mean, let's be honest. Much of life feels uncertain. You know that. Josh Dobbs's future is certainly uncertain. <laughs> but maybe we need to let go of the desire to reduce uncertainty and instead allow uncertainty to increase faith. The most important thing we can be certain of, our faith in Jesus is ultimately the only thing that matters. One of the best examples of someone who has lived this out, this whole message out, is my friend, my friend Tanner. See, Tanner's story is up through high school. He grew up in a family that seldom attended church. And so he really had no idea what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus or to follow him or have faith of, of any kind. And so when he attended college his freshman year at a public university here in Minnesota, his life was filled with partying, drinking, and sin. Well, after a few months of college, he came home for break and some friends invited him to the local Turkey Bowl football game at a church event. And after the game was over, a man who was about five years older than Tanner gathered everyone together to share his life story. See, he had gone to the same college as Tanner. Like Tanner, he had drank too much, sinned in every way imaginable, and ended up landing in a dead-end job that he hated. But as this man shared his story, his life dramatically changed when he decided to follow Jesus. And so as Tanner's listening, he's just struck by how this man's story was essentially becoming his. The difference? Tanner didn't know Jesus like this man did. So Tanner spent time almost daily via text or phone call peppering this man with questions about God and the Bible. And eventually he'd heard enough to make a decision about faith. And so while sitting alone in his dorm room at this university during Christmas break, all alone, Tanner prayed and put his faith in Jesus. And from that moment, as he told me, Jesus completely turned his priorities and life around. But here was the issue. While Tanner had changed, circumstances had not. I mean, he was still attending the same college with the same group of friends in the same social settings, but now as a different person with Christ-centered priorities. This is what Tanner said to me. He said, that period of time was so hard because all eyes were on me. Everyone knew Tanner's different now, but I still had to maintain friendships, go to class with the same people. I was uncertain of what my future held. 
Oftentimes during that spring semester, while his friends would party, Tanner would go on these prayer walks just around campus until his friends would call him for a sober ride. Another time, Tanner wrote a persuasion paper in English class, trying to persuade as much himself as others that God's desire is for people to save sex for marriage. And the professor just tore him to shreds in class, and students mocked him. See, when Tanner put his faith in Christ, he frequently felt uncomfortable. He had to unlearn previous ways of living, and he felt largely uncertain of what the future held. But in order to take hold of what he didn't know, to take hold of where God was leading him, he had to burn the ship of what he knew. And now five years later, I want you to notice in the story, the man who shared his faith with Tanner was five years older than him five years ago because he stayed the course and kept following Jesus. Today, Tanner is a committed, Christ-centered young man who is thriving and serving the church because he has dedicated his life to doing whatever God wants him to do. See, you may feel uncertain about what's ahead, but what if God is asking you to burn the ship of certainty? Uh, what if God is asking you to allow that uncertainty to increase faith so that God will get you where he wants you to go? As we close today, we're going to receive communion together. But before you take hold of those elements I want to invite you to enter into a different kind of experience where we have some extended time of reflection. Because during this time, I'd love for you to spend time asking the Lord, God, what do I need to let go of? And what's going to happen is the band is going to play a first song. It's called Burn the Ships. And during the song, as you remain seated, spend some time allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Be patient with him. He wants to speak to you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to bring something to your heart and your mind. And so during that time, just allow some space to reflect on that question. God, what do I need to let go of? And maybe for some, this is a time of confession. It's letting go of that, that sin that you're holding on to. A feeling of shame that lack of forgiveness. Maybe there's something that God brings to mind that you just simply need to confess. Even on my drive-in today, I was just confessing to God the ways that I've fallen short, trying to let go of those things. It's so freeing. So during this first song, just spend some time reflecting as we transition to the second song, which the band is going to invite everyone to stand and worship so that we can respond to God because of what he's done for us. You can receive the elements at any point when you feel comfortable during the first or right before the second song. It's, it's really up to you. But we just want to give you some space where you can ask, God, what do I need to let go of? I mean, think about the disciples when they sat around with Jesus during that last supper. They, they had to let go of what they previously thought and knew so that they could embrace and know this Savior who was telling them that he was going to sacrifice himself for the sins of humanity. And on that night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat around with his disciples. He took some bread and broke it. And as he passed it around, he said, this is my body, 
broken for you, eat and remember me. And then he took a cup, he passed it around and said, drink for this represents my blood spilled for you. Let it remind you of the sacrifice that I'm going to make for the sins of all of humanity. And now 2,000 years later, we partake in communion to remember that sacrifice. So again, take your time. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and ask God, what do I need to let go of? What is it that I need to confess? And then when it's time, the band will invite you to stand and sing and worship God. Go ahead when you're ready.
friends, we've got one more song. We're gonna worship together. This is our chance to respond. Let's stand and let's worship. Come on.
Let's pray together. Jesus, we need you. There are parts of our lives that we need to leave behind. There are things in our lives that we just need to let go of. But God, we can't do that alone. We need your strength. We need the peace that can only come from you that when we take those steps to get where you want us to go, that we can actually do it. So would you help us? By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you remind us, would you bring to light the things that we do need to let go of? Sometimes they're obvious, sometimes they're not. And so God, we just ask you to bring those to our minds and help us to lean into those, God. And when we're facing uncertainty or discomfort, God, would you remind us that that's what we need to go through to experience what you have for us. So help us to lean into that. Help us to understand that a little bit more, to trust you a little bit more as we walk through those moments. And Jesus, let our lives, let our words, everything we do and say, would it magnify, would it glorify you? So Jesus, we love you. And it's all these things that we pray in your powerful name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything that's going on in your life, we'd love to pray with you and for you. And there's gonna be a team down front here at the campus. And if you're online, reach out. We wanna be praying for you. But otherwise, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next weekend, everybody.